Hi, this is Susan Kelsey, author of Millie Caldwell, Chicago and the Great Lakes Trail, and you're listening to the North Shore Podcast. Welcome to the North Shore Podcast, the podcast about the lovely cities of the North Shore. We feature topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by co-host Arthur Miller, or should I say the Lake Forest legend, the North Shore legend, Arthur Miller. Hey, parents of athletes, your kids get a physical every year, right? We'll include a brain map so you have a baseline to compare it to in case something happens. It takes only 20 minutes to get the data you need to know if your athlete should get back on the field. Visit neuronoodle.com and schedule an appointment. One of the things we like to do here on the North Shore podcast is put a spotlight on our local people doing great things. And today we're joined by Susan Kelsey, author of Billy Caldwell, 1780 to 1841, Chicago and the Great Lakes Trail. Susan, thanks for coming on the show today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. The Great Lakes Trail, where does that start and where does that end? I'm sorry. I'm not going to be one of those guys that said, yeah, I read your book. Not even close. <laughs> I, read, I read the bio and I'm going to trust that Arthur Miller knows something about Billy Caldwell. Uh, <laughs> hey, Art, how you, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Susan, where does it start? Where does it end? Give us a background. Well, I actually, I made it up. Um, there, <clears throat> he traveled all around the Great Lakes. And as I followed his trail, I started to think, um, wouldn't it be actually kind of neat to take a trail around all of the Great Lakes? And I, I did some research on it. And there is an initiative between the U.S. and Canada to create a Great Lakes trail. So this trail, I would imagine, will go through the whole North Shore. Is that, uh, and, and then some? Yeah, um, the Native Americans traveled all around the shores. And in this area, they traveled, of course, uh, from the Chicago area north to Green Bay, Milwaukee, and then uh, you know the Sauk Trail over to Detroit. They, they were the original trailblazers. Well, yes, there, there's a, a Lake Michigan circle route, which I imagine on the west side would be the great, you know, the makeup part of the Great Lakes Trail. The, the problem with the Native Americans was that, you know, they passed through here and there's quite a few Indian relics, you know, that have been found here. Um, going back to, I think, you know, 8,000 years or so, um, that's in Lincolnshire. But um, once I was asked, well, where's the Indian burial ground? And I said, well, you know, this, they were passing through. So if grandma died, you know, on the trip, they probably, you know, they had some kind of way of burying her, but we don't, I don't know that I, we actually have much detail on that, but I said, this wasn't real. There weren't really villages that were permanent. We were more of a sort of campground or um, yeah. motel really on their trip. <laughs> so they, they had favorite places they would stop and that was a big part of it. Yeah. But Blake County definitely had these trails that they made and marked them with the little bent trees and everything like that, which we we have both the, there were original ones, and I'm not sure how many original ones there still are, if any. I think there there's one like uh, just before you go down the ravine on Sheridan Road in Glencoe that might have been a simulated 
trail tree. You know. There's about 200 of them still left. My friend, real ones, real ones, yeah, or about 200. My friend Dennis Downs with okay. ND, he documents where they all are. And there is one on the North Shore. It's off of Deerfield Road on the south side. And oh. you, it's a trail tree park. There is a cyclone fence around it, so you can't get near it. But it's an original trail mark trail tree uh, marking the where the, the North Branch Chicago River is. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they're kind of exciting to see. Well, yeah, because they were the road signs of the yep. pre-literate generation, or section de, de, era. Susan, how did you uh, get motivated to do this? Uh, I can't even think of doing a comic book, and uh, you're doing the, the Great Lakes Trail. Like, what got you going? Do you have any yeah. other books out there, or what? what's your He's motivation? Done several books. Yeah, right. Oh, well, yes. really? And, uh, Art Miller was my inspiration. And oh. when you invited me to be on this podcast with Art, I was so excited <laughs> because I moved to Lake Forest about on the about 20 years ago. And <clears throat> I read uh, a book that Art had written with our another friend of ours, Shirley Paddock. And um, and I, I found and this is me, um, I found him at the Lake Forest College, and I reached out to him and I said, I'm so intrigued with this book and what you did. And, you know, would I be able to help you with your next book? I'd like to do some of the research. And, you know, when you live in Lake Forest, there is a feeling in this town. And it's, um, it's kind of the essence of the Lake Forest, the open space, the tree canopy. And I was kind of intrigued with the, this community along the lake. And so Art said, um, sure. And so we, Art and Shirley and I have written three more Lake Forest history books. Yep. And that special character was the, the West Lake Forest book, which was with nobody had covered West Lake Forest. You know, people thought of Lake Forest as mostly described, you know, there were, there were always discussions of West Lake Forest, but it was never a focus. And that book, which you, you really were the person in charge of that book, that um, the subject matter that you developed for that was very groundbreaking for people to understand that, that West Lake Forest is, so important. And of course, I now live in Westlake Forest, although when they've been working on the Deer Path Road, I've been telling people I live in East Matawa. <laughs> I, I knew there was a reason why I asked the question, because we're doing a little curveball here for you, Art. Uh, we're expanding into the North Shore, mm -hmm. yeah. the North Shore podcast. and That's a Great topic for it. So you can go as far north as what Lake Lake Bluff and as far south as Evanston, and there'd be a trail. Is that it went all the way north? So okay, th there's a map that was done in 1955 by the Lake County Historical Society. That's basically morbid now because every town developed an historical society, and it was didn't need one for Lake County. But they did a great map of some of the early pioneer sites, and all those Indian trails are on that map. Um, I don't have it here because it's at Lake Forest College, but and you can't get in there now, probably the rest of this year anyway, to see what's in the special. Uh, oh, I, oh, I'm sure you got to hide a key somewhere. Um, I don't <laughs> so, so back then, I mean, 1780, 1841. So what would the North Shore be considered back then? Indian Territory. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you had Chicago, you had smelly onions. 
That's what Chicago means, right? Yeah, but you didn't have much Chicago until pretty much later. It was okay. it was the trading post. You had Los Angeles and San Francisco. You had San Antonio, you know, and stuff before you had Lake Forest. Maybe not in San Antonio, but those but those all, cities all existed uh, before Chicago got started. It's hard to realize that this was one of the last places to get going, you know, to get growing. And it was because of the little, there was a little passageway through the Indian country, a channel of kind of a diagonal line that followed the portage between the lake down to the Illinois or down to the displains, right? Mm-hmm. How did the uh, the railroads uh, play later. a role? In- later, later. So they had to get rid of the Indians and then... Yeah, they, I mean, the Indians, the poor Indians, I mean, you can tell the story, I mean... The story of the Black Hawk War, 1832, is a little bit like Afghanistan was, you know, where you have different warlords and groups, and they, one warlord and group would make a one tribe would make a deal with the United States government and sell off the other guy's stuff. And that's what happened to uh, Black Hawk. Somebody made a deal selling his stuff, or his land, and he didn't really like the idea. And came back uh, trying to at least visit where he'd been. They had a rough time. There are no federally recognized tribes in Illinois. No. Uh, to, uh, to Art's point, in 1830, President Andrew Jackson had the Indian Removal Act. And so uh, that was a significant event for the state of Illinois. And then the other one was uh, my, the guy, Caldwell, signed two treaties, 1829, 1833. And those three things are pretty much why um, there are no tribes in Illinois. Yeah, they gave, they, they signed everything away. And unlike Wisconsin, which still has native groups, uh, my father remembered Potawatomi's traipsing through where he lived in Michigan in the early 20th century still. Um, but Illinois, yeah. How did that happen, guys? I mean, I'm the student. You guys are the teachers. I'm, I'm getting schooled here. But how, what's so special about Wisconsin and Illinois? I guess Illinois has always been crooked. No, I, I think that the land was too good yeah. farming. That uh, See, Wisconsin, if you look at it it's, it, it's a little rugged. You know, the glaciers didn't cover the whole thing. But the glaciers pretty well wiped out, except for a little bit of northwest Illinois and far southern Illinois. You, it was just laid flat. Ideal farm country with rich dirt built up by millennia of uh, prairie plants. You know, when you put a plow through them and then you planted something, it was like it was the golden touch. I mean, you just you had you just drop a seed and boom. Your stuff grew. I think that was part of it, that there was just nothing that they were willing to not have be for settlers. It was too logical. It was part of the Northwest Territories that had these grid plans for the townships and all, and there were no impediments. In Wisconsin, it was a little, it wasn't as fertile. You know, you have, you go across a certain line to the north and you're out of the best farm country and you're more in the boreal, boreal plants, uh, you know, the fir trees and stuff like that, which wasn't as interesting to wheat farmers 
that sort of thing. Does that make sense? I would, I would also add that, you know, you had the Louisiana Purchase and they were opening up the, the Western frontier. And if you can imagine, I mean, it was not easy to walk around in this kind of swampy area. So the waterways were so important. And they were, in, in the early 1830s, they were looking for, uh, the fur traders were looking for more opportunities. And so they had come down the St. Lawrence and, and come through the Great Lakes and they were looking to connect uh, to the West and built the I&M Canal. Uh, Caldwell was part of that survey crew and wanted to get to the Mississippi and the Missouri and expand West to the new frontier. Sure. And Napoleon was anxious to sell. Yeah. He wanted to, he needed the cash to do some of his wars in Europe. So he sold the, he sold the property off for a pretty good, what was a pretty good price in those days. And so the U.S. had to be looking pretty far ahead to see that that was a great purchase because he was able to keep waging wars with American money. So Susan, how long did it take you to write the book? <laughs> uh, about 25 years. <laughs> yeah, years. <laughs> and how we got started was uh, in 1993, my husband and I moved out of the city of Chicago to the north side of Chicago to yeah. the Song and Ash neighborhood. And that's at Peterson and Cicero, the very northern end of the Chicago city limits. And uh, this is before the internet, of course. Yeah. And I was walking around the neighborhood and saw a plaque on the ground. And it said, here's where we signed the, the treaty under the old elm tree and with Millie Caldwell, Chief Song and Ash. And uh, I, I went, just got curious, you know, why, why was this neighborhood called Song and Ash? Who was this man? So I went to the Historical Society, went to Newberry Library. And then, you know, life happens. You have children. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, then, um, <laughs> and I went picking up and put it down. And then uh, we moved up to Lake Forest. I art, met Art Miller. And he really taught me a lot about history and finding clues. In and Shirley. Yeah, Shirley. And Shirley. Shirley was a master uh, at looking at a photograph and finding the clues in the photograph. And so in 2014, I said to my mother, do you think we could trace the trail of Millie Caldwell? And I, I, I liked history, but I always wanted to really kind of try to understand the personalities. Why, why, why? Why didn't he move to Chicago? Why didn't he leave Chicago? Why did he live in Iowa and his friends stayed in Chicago? So, uh, so we drove out and that was kind of, we followed the trail and since then I've done it I've been thousands of miles traveling, following this guy. I was in Council Bluffs last weekend. I've been there oh. probably 40 times. It's just, it never ends. I mean, you have something like this, a podcast, somebody will listen to it and I'll get an email or a phone call saying, I have one more clue and then I'm off and running again. Out <laughs> <laughs> something, write a book about it and then everybody will tell you what you left out. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, no, Susan, this is very cool. So let's just look at the North Shore. Can we just sum up from Evanston to what? what is technically the North Shore? Evanston up to Lake Bluff, or does it go farther than that nowadays? Yeah, well, I'm, I sit on the Chamber of Commerce board, and I would say, you know, it's regional. So um, yeah. we're, we're inclusive. Um, in, in addition to the map I talked about, there's another terrific map 
at the Chicago History Center. I'm thinking around 1835, my Elmer Scharf. And it shows yeah. Native American trails, but also, um, you know, the waterways. And so I have some archaeology friends that have taken me along the Plains River and shown me, you know, maybe where there is a little part in the river that goes out in the water and where all the chert is, where they were making their arrowheads. And you can still see the pieces of stone. You know, they, um, they, they travel, well, they call them the trails of the, the old animals. So that's how they, they stayed on the high ground and learning from Art and Shirley uh, along the uh, North Shore, you have Ridge Road because it's a, it's a, it's a high ground. Who wants to walk where the mosquitoes are, you know? So they walk them on these high uh, ridges and there's a couple of great trees in Kenilworth, giant trees. So uh, Sheridan was a, a trail. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And there's actually a house that Shaw built toward the end of his career, about 1925. He designed it just before he died. Um, that, that's called Trail Tree. Um, that's the name of the house. And there's a, he, his staff actually did, or he or his staff actually did a stone... Uh, thing to put in in the shape of a, the, of a trail tree that's embedded into the surface of the house. So it's part of the lore, you know, of the North Shore. This business of the trails is very much part of it. Now, the North Shore for me has two main divisions. Um, when you get into North Winnetka, it goes uphill uh, just before Tower Road, kind of. There's an Episcopal church there. And after that, you're on these bluffs that are leading to Wisconsin, kind of a little bit. Um, it's irregular territory. And it leads into, after you go through Glencoe, you're in Lake County, which was more irregular than um, the rest of the state. It was part of that, maybe not quite as glaciated because it has all these little things. We have kettle, kettle lakes in Lake County and things like that. So I, I think of the upper North Shore and the lower North Shore. And of course the North Shore began as including Rogers Park and down, you know, because it originally Lakeview was a separate community and things. And so the North Shore crept forward and where New York City kept going at taking over its um, suburbs, you know, uh, in the early 19, in the early 20th century, taking in the Bronx and Staten Island and everything. Chicago didn't, Chicago kept its, separate identities because a lot of people had moved into the suburbs um, because they didn't want to be part of the city of Chicago. So makes, there you makes sense. we have 200 suburbs now. Makes for a very interesting governance problem. <laughs> we have no problems with our go government. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It's just, there's a whole bunch of units right. of government and it's like trying to herd cats. So Susan, what's the best way for somebody to learn more? I mean, this, I don't think this is going to be the last time we're going to have you on here. I, I think we're going, to, we're going to bring you back if it's okay. But is it SusanKelsey.com? Is that the best way to learn more about you and your book? That's my author page. Um, okay. You, you know, Pete and our hobbies turn into obsessions. Yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and I'm, I've been at this about 30 years now, and now I'm producing a movie about him. I'm wow. doing a documentary film. So oh, on, wow. that, on that also on that website, you can get over to the film I'm working on. And we're interviewing people on the North Shore and talking to them about why Chicago and 
you know, getting some of the, the scientific answers, but also some psychological answers, some political D, DNA things. But um, sure. this man was a fascinating man. He really, um, he had a lot of charisma. He, he was in the right place at the right time to, uh, he, he was half Irish, uh, British, and then half Mohawk. So he, he had a, a foot in two different worlds and he was in the right place at the right time to negotiate for the natives in this area. And, and that's really the crux of the film is, you know, people keep, kept asking me, was your man a traitor, Millie Caldwell? Uh, was he a traitor to his people? And uh, for several years, I was pretty defensive of him. And, and I, I still believe that he did the best he could do. But I'm, I'm exploring that question. I have the approval and I'm working with the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation. That's uh, Caldwell's Legacy Tribe in Kansas. And we're, we're taking that question and we're diving down into it a little bit. And that's what the film's about, to talk about, you know, when, when Caldwell signed the treaty and made room for, you know, you and me and Art to live here, <laughs> uh, you know, then he knew the right thing. Did, well, did he? Yeah, and I think, well, you know. The pressure was on him. The pressure was on him. Yeah. Um, because the U.S. was expanding. As I said, it was, Chicago was one of the last places to get settled. And the U.S. wanted to get in there, wanted to get that, get control of that link between the uh, St. Lawrence River system and the Mississippi River system. There wasn't much space for him to maneuver. Yeah, and as you pointed out, he was born 1780. So just four years after signing of the Declaration, he came from the New York area. He had that history and life experience. He migrated to Chicago, and I, I think he saw the writing on the wall and then the mess he could do. And the British had withdrawn. One of the big things yeah. that helped the Native Americans was the British. Helen Tanner at the Newberry Library, um, oh, 20, 25 years ago, when I had a question, said she agreed. She pointed out that the British had a fort in, 19, in 1812 when there was a what they now call the Fort Dearborn Affair. We used to call it the massacre, but you know the Indians attacked the people retreating from Lake Dearborn, uh, from Fort Dearborn. She said they had a fort at Great Lakes, the location of Great Lakes. And the reason I had asked about it was because there was a guy who told me that there were a bunch of British-looking graves on the Great Lakes property, and so the British were way down into here through 1815. You know when they finally made peace and. They gradually then gave up and went out. That was a lot of where the Native Americans were getting their support to hold off mm -hmm. the, the Americans, you know. And when they lost that ally, kind of like Afghanistan had Pakistan or whatever, you know, didn't have many, their options were narrowing down very quickly. And so Billy Caldwell made the best deal he could make by 1832. What, what, what is the year? Of, what's the actual year of the yeah. treaty? Oh, 29. 30, somewhere in there. 29 and 33. Yeah, on oh, 33 was the last one. Yeah. yeah, right. And that was right after that war, which they had chased Blackhawk out. Mm -hmm. So his, his bargaining position was about zilch. Yeah. He was able to get his people out peacefully and relocated without having a big massacre of Indians, you know, in retaliation for the Blackhawk War. 
And the treaty he signed was kind of interesting because it was the first time that an individual ever received land in a treaty. And uh, back to your point, Pete, about <laughs> the Chicago DNA, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and he got 1,600 acres in the Saginaw area, which is uh, where I lived. Wow. Oh, no, no kidding. That was pretty decent piece of ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He never had to take the Cicero bus, though. <laughs> or pay Chicago yeah. taxes. <laughs> I'll pay the taxes. I just keep me off that Cicero bus. Yeah. <laughs> Never, don't sit in the back. Sit up front by the driver. Susan, what what else uh, can we add? Uh, this is our, you know, one of our first North Shore podcasts, and I mean, it's awesome that we have you and Art on, on the show to talk about this. But where can we get your we, book? Yeah, well, it's on Amazon. You just, you know, Millie Caldwell, and thank you. I appreciate that. I I make about one dollar on every book, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. That much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't even cover my gas, but um, but I, I also think it would be fun to talk about the North Shore with Art and uh, the the three history books we did. The Lake Forest and the North Shore is has a fascinating history, and Art alluded to it a little bit with the the Sher Fort Sheridan, and then you got the Great Lakes on the north side, and um, it's fascinating how the North Shore came to me as well. Yeah. Oh, we're Good. we're doing this again, guys. Uh, the plan, fun. <laughs> no, outstanding. Su Susan, thank you so much for coming on the North Shore podcast. Thank you very thank much, you. and great to see you. Why aren't you look great? <laughs> so do you. Oh, thank he's yeah. a whippersnapper. I'll tell you. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for listening to the North Shore podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about on the upcoming shows. Uh, again, I am Pete, and I can be reached at Pete at NorthShorePodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below, as well as the links to Susan's books and her author site and, and, and all that. On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller, we thank you for listening. And if you really, really like us, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, or at least sign up for our newsletter. Cue the music.